Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I have something new to tell you. Hi, it's Keith from the Book of Constellations. I want to invite you to my new podcast called The First Episode Of. It's a podcast about audio drama and the creative process. In each show, I listen to the first episode of an indie audio drama, then have a discussion with the creators about the show, their methods, their struggles, and successes. It's a great conversation for anyone interested in storytelling and creativity. And with so much talent and variety out there, you're sure to find your next favorite audio drama by listening. You can find it anywhere you get your podcasts or at thefirstepisodeof.com. Come listen. And don't forget to keep spreading the word about the Book of Constellations. And consider making a donation at glow.fm slash bookofconstellations. Thank you. Enjoy today's verse. The Book of Constellations Written, produced, and performed by W. Keith Timms. Chapter 1, verse 8. I've already told you about a few times I've taken a leap of faith for real, and yeah, they mostly turned out alright. But this next one... Uh, They say money isn't everything, but it's mostly people who have money who say that. Okay, so I'm getting ahead of myself. The library fire hit us all pretty hard. I mean, we've been on the run, hiding from police and theta group, but I don't know. Somehow those militia boys burning it down made it feel like we'd lost. Oh, and by the way, I found out much later the names of all those men that were harassing people out in front of the library was anonymously delivered to the police. I think they even made a couple of arrests. Rail never said, but I suspect that it was his doing. But we didn't know that at the time, and the RV was real quiet most of the night as we drove on. But I'm looking at the gas gauge, getting closer and closer to E, and thinking about how light my wallet is. Someone needs to be practical, even when we're grieving a little. So I ask Rail about what to do. He says he has a plan, says to keep going. He feeds me directions now and again. It's like having one of those turn-by-turn GPS systems sitting in the passenger seat, only it's wearing a wool poncho and sunglasses and hardly moves for hours. You can almost forget he's there, until it's suddenly, turn left here. Keeps you on your toes, at least. It's early morning, and we're on the outskirts of a small town, still pretty much in the country with old farmhouses and sleepy little residential streets among the pines and fields. Rail directs me to pull up to this one house and tells me what to do. Sachi goes with me as we walk up the driveway. I think she's trying to shake herself out of the funk the library fire put us in. It's an old place, one of myriad ranch-style homes built back in the 70s, but still holding up pretty good despite the years. 
I also noticed there was a bunch of boxes stacked up in the carport. Pieces of furniture, old clothes folded up and stacked. First thought is garage sale, but it's the clothes that clue me in. Several decades old, all for a man. Someone's dad or uncle died, and they're cleaning out his house. Satya wanders along, just behind me, peering at all the stuff. I look back at her. Are you sure about this? She smirks at me. You're asking me? She gestures with her thumb back toward the RV, where Rael is waiting for us, out of the sun. You're E.T.'s right-hand man, Elliot. I'm just along for the ride. It just seems risky and weird. Yeah, it's all weird, Simon. I bet it's going to get weirder. This world needs some weirdness. When everything is the same all the time, things become dangerous for anyone different. Come on. She gives me a playful shove toward the door of the house. As we approach, she glances down at herself and frowns. Do I look okay? I feel gross. You look fine. Well, I could use a shower. And no offense, but so could you and Blue Man Group. If this works, we'll have money to get a hotel room or campsite with hookups, okay? At least, if Rael was right. I knock on the door. A middle-aged guy answers, holding a cup of coffee. He looks a little tired, a little preoccupied. I'm betting it was a relative of his who died. Uh, hi, I say. We're here about the, um... He cuts me off. Oh, yeah, uh, one sec. And he closes the door. I look at Satya. She shrugs. A few moments later, he returns with a big cardboard box. This is it. Looks like some old film reels, some books wrapped in plastic, some large, dusty envelopes. I'm just glad to get rid of it. My dad had a bunch of other stuff. Maybe you saw them on eBay, too? Do you want to take a look? Uh, no thanks. Just, uh, this is what we came for. That was 80 bucks, right? Yep. I never had anyone come to my door for eBay stuff, but saved on shipping, right? I hand the man all the money I have left. $80. He thanks us. Satya says, Sorry about your dad. Thank you. Enjoy the stuff. Back in the RV, Satya starts rummaging through the box curiously. I'm still not feeling good about this plan. Rail says, We'll need to head into town now. Are you sure about this? I just spent the last money we had on whatever that is. Yes, Simon. Trust me. Satya suddenly chimes in with a cool as she pulls something out of the box. Rail just gives me that tiny smile of his. Fine, I say. And we get back on the road. Rail says we will need to be cautious going in. There is an event in the town center. Police are there to provide security. I say, uh, then shouldn't we stay away? No, we must go. But use caution. The police will be preoccupied. So long as we do not draw too much attention to ourselves, we should be fine. Have you looked at us, Rael? He turns away from the window, tilting his head curiously at me. What do you mean? Satya leans forward. We don't exactly blend in, Rael. At least you and me. Simon has that old white guy thing going for him, so that's good. Gee, thanks. Hey, it's not like I want to draw stairs. But the only way to do that for me now is to dress like a boy. And I'm not doing that again. When I'm 18, I'll probably start hormones. Until then, the world will just have to deal. Huh. 
And, uh, are you, um, are you gonna get the, uh, she stops me. Oh, Simon, you are not about to ask me about my genitals, are you? Uh, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I was just curious. You can't do that, okay? You can't just ask a trans person about what's in their pants. I mean, do you ask guys you just met about their junk? What? No. You don't have conversations like, Hey, Bob, quick question. Are you circumcised? No, no, okay, okay, I get it. I apologize. She grins and lets me off the hook. Accepted. Honestly, it's not something that I'm all that worried about right now. Oh. I know this may surprise you, but being trans doesn't occupy all my thoughts all the time. It's other people that want to reduce me to just that. Besides, what you are isn't nearly as important as about what you'll become. I gotta finish high school, though this little road trip has put a kink in that. And I want to go to college. What do you want to study? Um, I don't know. I was thinking about getting an art degree. I like to draw. I'm into manga and stuff like that. But, um... She cuts her eyes over to Rael then. Maybe I'll study astronomy instead. I ask him, Did you go to uh, school or something like that? Something like that. Though by then, most of the teachers were already dead. The young, too. The schools were empty. So, it was my parent who taught me. Your parent? My mother. She was a scientist. She was among the last of us. The second to last, in fact. She knew the darkness had won, but she kept fighting with one last idea to save us from oblivion. I say, I guess it didn't work, huh? I'm sorry. We'll see, he says. Satya asks, So did she teach you science stuff? Not directly. What did you study? His brows knit as he considers the question, the answer seeming complicated for him. Eventually, he says, History. What kind of history? A kind of weight seems to have fallen over him now. All of it. Sati and I are both pretty quiet after that, until she says, that must have been a really hard final exam. Even Rael smiles a little. I suppose, he says, this is the exam. This town is like a bunch of other little towns you find in the rural counties. Laid out pretty much the same way with pretty much the same architecture. City Hall and the courthouse at the town square, main roads heading out in all directions from there, old buildings, some restored, with a changing roster of boutique stores and struggling locals trying to revive downtown while facing the big box stores just down the road. It's mid-morning, and while I've never been here before, it just feels a little extra busy today. A lot of on-street parking is already taken up, and there's people driving slow toward the town center and walking along carrying flags and coolers. In fact, there are flags everywhere, hanging from street lamps, fluttering off the backs of trucks, displayed in shop windows. And that's when it hits me. Real. This is the town where the campaign rally is happening, isn't it? Yes, he says. You brought us here because of that rally, didn't you? You said we needed money. We can get the money we need here, in this town. 
Okay, but this is not the way to keep a low profile, and the place is nearby. Turn here. Since all the on-street parking is filled, we catch a break. A bunch of RVs have parked in a field a couple of blocks away, and there's room for us. Hopefully we'll blend in. Uh, The RV. I mean, obviously not us. I do happen to see Kay and Silver's camper parked in the field, though I don't see them. We all hop out, and Rail seems subdued out in the sunlight, but otherwise undeterred. He nods to one of the side streets near the town square. It is over there, he says, as I pick up the box we bought. I think I will take a walk and see what is going on. Do you think that's smart? I cannot stay hidden forever, Simon. I will be careful. Satya looks worried, though. Want me to come with you? No, he says. Go with Simon. You will like it. Besides, I will not be far. All right. Be careful. We'll catch up. The name of the store Rael points us to is Natural 20. I have no idea why it's called that, but Satya does because she laughs at the name. Oh, wow, this is great! Natural 20? Isn't that a girl's clothing store? That's Forever 21. No, this is so much better. Come on! And she rushes ahead to look in the windows while I'm limping along to catch up with her. Oh, they have comics! She holds the door for me and I wrangle the box through. Sure enough, it's a comic book store, I guess. They also sell games and t-shirts, models, all kinds of that stuff. We're the only people inside until a guy comes out of the back looking a little surprised. I guess he wasn't expecting customers this early. Hey, he says, can I help you? I've lost Satya to the Japanese comic books by now, so I set down the box. I hope this works, else we've lost all our money. I've been told you buy uh, sci-fi collectibles. It was Rail who told me that, and I don't know much about all this stuff. But hey, if people buy sports collectibles, I don't see why this would be any different. I do, says the guy, but only if it's good stuff. I gesture at the box. Take a look, see what you think. He does, and I watch his face turn from skeptical to surprised to astonished. This, the, These are original film reels for Forbidden Planet. And wait, an autographed photo of Leslie Nielsen and Anne Francis? Where did you get these? There's more, and he keeps looking. A Starman script signed by John Carpenter? Costume plates from the man who fell to Earth? So, good stuff, huh? I may not know sci-fi collectibles, but I know when I have a guy on the hook. Interested? I, I, I'll have to check the provenance of these, but where did you say you got these? From an estate sale, believe it or not. Okay, but look, assuming these things are genuine, I I can't pay you what they'd be worth. You should sell these at auction or something. I smile at him. I'll make you a good deal. He spends about half an hour on the internet doing research and comparing signatures. I don't have any reason to believe they aren't the real thing. I mean, Rail wouldn't do that, would he? The guy comes in way low on his first offer. I squeeze him a little, but just a little. I'm not trying to be greedy, but we need that money to keep going. And from what I pick up, he's getting this stuff for pennies on the dollar. In the end, I fold up the wad of cash, thank him, and go find Satya engrossed in those, uh, manga things. See anything you can't live without? I ask her. 
She sighs wistfully, leaving the comics behind. One day, I will buy all the art supplies. All of them? Yep, all of them. Well, then you'll have a problem. What's that? Where are you going to keep them all? Where they are right now. Just lying around in the world, in stores, on tables, in people's pockets. Wouldn't that be amazing? Anytime you like, you can just pick up a pen, any pen, from anywhere, and then draw or write whatever you want on whatever is around, because it's all yours. Huh. Sounds messy. I bet you only had the eight-pack of crayons as a kid. And not even the good ones. The off-brand. Come on, young lady. Let's find Rael. There's music playing from the courthouse in the town square, which is a block and a half away from the comic book store. It's mostly staple patriotic anthems set to country rock. Around here, that kind of music is more popular than hymns at church. Whatever is going on must be starting up because people are streaming in toward the square along the sidewalks. Satya asks, Where do you think he got off to? Hmm, probably following the crowd. Let's head that way and find him. I'm ready to be off the road and get that shower. Police have set up roadblocks around the square, but they're mostly focused on traffic and the crowd. Still, we give them plenty of space. As we get closer to the hub of activity, once again I'm struck by all the flags everywhere. There's a stage set up in a little park next to the courthouse and it's draped in red, white, and blue. It seems like every tree and lamppost has old glory waving in the morning breeze. And the crowd that's gathering, they're wearing flags too. Pins, caps, shirts, mini dresses. <laughs> I tell you, nothing says class like stuffing your sweaty body into the flag of your nation, does it? But I'm being unkind. The crowd looks like a cross-section of the people I grew up with. Working class, middle class, born in little towns like this one, raised in little town schools and churches. They're smiling to each other, talking and laughing. There's a shared kindness here. They know each other, even if they've never met. I catch a glance at Kay and Silver from the RVs up there near the stage. They're holding little flags and a sign supporting the governor in his next election. Damn, says Satya quietly. Look at all the white people. You know, it hadn't even occurred to me. But she's right. I don't see a single person of color in the crowd. I mean, I guess that's also something I grew up with. All this reminds me of Independence Day festivals from my childhood, and and in those, everyone came of all colors and backgrounds. But the music and the flags is about where that similarity ends. This is something else. The music cuts out and people start applauding. A woman comes up onto the stage. She's got on a suit, flag pin, too much eye makeup. At the mic, she starts warming up the crowd with some platitudes, which they love. Time for us to go, though. Hey, uh, let's find Rael and get out of here, huh? Do you see him anywhere? He already looks like an extra from a movie set. He should be easy to find, but I don't see him. Satya tugs on my sleeve. Simon, she says, nodding to a big oak tree at the edge of the park. On one of the lower branches, about twelve feet up, Crouched like some sort of bird, Israel, partially hidden by the leaves, watching the stage and the crowd with intensity. 
Fortunately, there's no one around that tree, and everyone's attention is on the stage. I have no idea how he got all the way up there. Trying to be inconspicuous, I call up to him. Hey, what are you doing? He doesn't move, balanced and still on the branch, his gaze locked and immobile. I can just hear his answer over the noise from the rally. It is about to begin. Watch. The woman on the stage is too close to the mic and her voice turns shrill with the amplification. But she's introducing the next speaker, and by the hooting and cheering of the crowd, it's the one they've come to hear. Ladies and gentlemen, the host of your problem report, Pilot Quaid. The applause drowns out the swelling steel guitar that heralds the man's arrival. I've never really watched his show all that much, but I know a lot of people do. Your Problem Report is one of the most watched talk shows out there. He starts every episode with, Here's your Problem Report for tonight. And then he spends an hour talking about everything people should be afraid of. You remember, he was the same guy interviewing the governor on the TV in Lulu's Diner the night I met Rael. He waves to everyone, smiling like the adulation is deserved. He's not conventionally handsome. He's a little short, a little nerdy looking. Though a good stylist and a tan along with his entitled strut makes up for it in some people's eyes. After a moment, the cheers fade enough that he starts to speak. There's something about his voice, I'll give him that. The sound system seems tuned just for him. His words flow like syrup. The bass notes vibrating just enough that you can feel them in the ground under your feet. I won't repeat his entire speech. Just remember the audience hangs on his every word. Good and faithful citizens, we have a problem. Now, you know this. You're smart, honest people. You know this state, this country has problems. Conflict, of course, isn't anything new. It goes back to the Bible, to the very first conflict between God and Satan, from when Cain was cast out, bearing the mark of sin to wander in the desert. The descendants of Adam have always been in a struggle with the descendants of Cain, so this is nothing new. But the problem today is weakness undermining our values Erosion. Destruction. Our enemies are getting stronger. Every day, they grow in number. Every day, they come through our borders. Every day, they take away a little bit more of our culture, our heritage, our birthright. They are a dark shadow on the land, swallowing more and more of the light. Sometimes... I look around this country and I don't even recognize it anymore. Do you? They're coming, my friends. No. They're already here. And unless we do something about it, we will be lost. That's why the governor needs you. The governor needs you to be his defenders. To become the vigilant and the valiant and to stand ready. Because a war is coming, 
and it's going to start right here in this state. And it's a simple choice. You either stand on our side, or you stand with the enemy. I know where you good people will stand. I don't think I've heard so much cheering from a crowd that size before. I watch them. Something has changed in them. Something has reached out from the stage. Its touch turning something on inside of them. Or maybe turning something off. Their eyes are wide. Their mouths are open to bare their teeth. Howling and crying out. The unspoken camaraderie that I saw before is swept away by a tide of righteousness. Joyous anger, bolstered by unearned pride. They raise their fingers and point to the heavens. They point at Quaid. They point everywhere but at each other. They raise fists in unspoken oaths of violence. They look ready to kill. They look ready to die. And the flags, flags, flags. The crowd waves them in a frenzy as if they were a talisman to draw power from. Pilot Quaid strolls along the front of the stage, reaching out to the crowd as if to take their hands, but always just out of reach. They clamor to touch the hem of his garment. I notice Kay and Silver, who gave us breakfast, waving their signs with just as much fervor as everyone else. I almost don't recognize them. Their smiles seized up and stretched. I wonder how they would treat us now. And I finally see for myself that old saying, which I hope you'll forgive me for paraphrasing here. When the darkness comes to America, it will come wrapped in a flag and carrying a cross. The air feels dangerous now. Satya in particular is hanging back, her arms crossed over herself, looking around uneasily. We need to get out of here. Rail drops out of the tree, landing with ease. No one but us notices their attention wrapped on the stage. His face is stony and serious. Did you see, he says. The speech? Yeah, hard to miss. Did you see the darkness and how it touched them all? Uh, I I I guess so, but but what does it mean? Rail nods to Quaid, who is making one more lap around the stage. The darkness has him. He is dangerous. He must be stopped. But but wait, wait, Rael, he's a nationally recognized talk show host. What do you mean, stopped? His fingers clench and unclench in anxious confusion. The darkness must be confronted. He is spreading it. Are you sure? Yes, yes, it has to be. I wish I could see his eyes now to know better what he was thinking. He's just staring at Pilot Quaid with all of his being. Rael, I I reach out and touch his shoulder, and that seems to set him off. With long, direct strides, he walks out of the shadows of the tree and across the lawn, straight for the stage, and the crowd, and the cops. Hell. I turn to Satya. It's not safe for you here. Get back to the RV. Screw that, she says, her eyes flashing with indignation. I get it, she wants to stay in hell, but I'm not fast enough or strong enough to watch after both of them. Uh, okay, just just, just stay here and, and be ready to run. 
rail is already at the edge of the crowd, moving through them like an implacable ship through choppy waves in a direct line for Quaid. I'm hurrying to keep up, but it's been too long since my last painkiller. The crowd is thicker, closer to the stage, slowing him down a little, but not much. He looks so obviously different there, in the throng of cheering red, white, and blue, a ragged figure of gray and tan, solemnly walking closer and closer. Rail said he must be stopped. And now, I have no idea what he might do. The Book of Constellations is written, produced, and performed by W. Keith Timms. Music in this episode featured A Mist on Hinksy Stream by Axeltree. Additional music by John Bartman and Free Sound Collective. The theme is Cycles by Music from the Floating World. More information is available at bookofconstellations.com. If you'd like to support the show, send someone who might like it our way. And consider making a donation at glow.fm slash bookofconstellations. Until next verse. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.